Hey everybody, and welcome to the Dry Life Podcast, a podcast for the alcohol-free lifestyle and sober curious. I'm Kayla Lyons. And I'm Beth Bowen. We're so glad y'all are here. Now let's get started. Reframe Thrive Coaching is the next level on your journey. Reframe's premium coaching program provides one-on-one access to a certified recovery coach, curated video content from industry experts, and private group support meetings. With Thrive, you get the support you need to change your relationship with alcohol and thrive on the other side of it, all for less than the cost of a drink a day. Find Thrive on the Reframe app today. Hi, guys. Today, we have a super special guest. I actually was just talking with her on her Instagram. Uh, you may know her as ex-party girl and sewer and mental health advocate, Katie McNichol. Hey, Katie. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. Really good. Beth and I are ex- super excited to have you on here um, and to talk a little bit about uh, sobriety, fitness and alcohol um, and all things in between. So for anybody who may not be following you on the gram, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for having me, first of all. Um, I am Katie. Um, I am at this sober girl on Instagram. And I basically stopped drinking when I was 24 years old and blog about the whole journey, really, from being sort of 24 and um, obviously in my early 20s and blogging about sobriety and mental health um I basically always kind of knew that I had a problem with alcohol ever since I had like my first drink really um and then I was a massive party girl proper like binge drinker um every Friday and Saturday I was just used to get so drunk with the girls um and then at first it was like really fun and I, and I loved it Um, And I like at uni, I was working as a shot girl and a podium dancer. And yes, I know. (laughs) Not as glamorous as it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was to be fair, like it it started off fun. um, And like I met a lot of people and I didn't like ever pay for anything, which is like the dream when you're a student, isn't it? Um, And it was just like free nights out, didn't ever have to wait in any queues or anything, VIP everything. And it was so great. But then I really started to notice in my second year of university um, that my mental health started to like really deteriorate. I started to get like really anxious and I thought that it was just like anxiety, you know, like totally hung over and just anxious because I was like, oh my God, what did I say? What did I do? Mm-hmm. But then that started to sort of like transfer into other areas of my life. Um, and also in my second year of uni, I started to just get so drunk that actually quite traumatic things started happening to me. Mm. Um, I just get myself in states. And so... And then, of course, you know, being at university, my study was then being really massively affected. Yep. So um, in my third year of uni, I did my first ever like dry jam type thing. And I literally couldn't do it. And I remember feeling like quite embarrassed because I didn't realize the hold that alcohol had over me. I always thought, oh, yeah, I, I could stop, but I just don't want to like it was one of them and Mm -hmm. then when I was actually presented with 
okay then do stop and then I couldn't I was like mm. oh, oh no this is not what I thought was happening <laughs> rude <laughs> so rude <laughs> love that. rude so, so then um in my third year of uni I thought right, I've really got to pull my finger out here and like actually get the degree that I came for um, and luckily started dating a doctor who was very studious and he really helped me through my third year. And I, I, I ended up working really, really hard. I cut down drinking quite a bit. And so obviously you end up cutting down a little bit and you think, oh, yeah, maybe I don't have a problem. Um, got my degree. Everything was fine. And then I thought I would come back home because uh, I went to uni away from my home. And I thought that my drinking would either slow down or stop to be honest but obviously the opposite happened and my drinking mm. just became the worst it had ever been and my mental health was the worst it's, it had ever been um and it was just a downward spiral really from there like um a couple of things happened in my personal life um that I would sort of pin to my drinking so I'd be like oh I'm drinking because this happened you know mm-hmm. and it was like and it would just get worse and worse um and then finally sort of like in the summer of 2018 so I stopped drinking in 2019 but in the summer of 2018 I did three months sober mm. and I loved it like it absolutely changed the game for me really because I never I had always done a couple of weeks but you don't really truly see the full benefits do you until you've at least done you know like a couple of months your head starts to clear and and stuff so yeah I started to recognize it was really helping me with my mental health and things like that and also you know like my money um I had loads of money all of a sudden I was like I'm gonna (laughs) rich (laughs) I am absolutely tilled and then and then I was like able to go to the gym and I got because I'm really into fitness I've always been into fitness but when my drinking was really heavy I just stopped going to the gym because I was hungover and lethargic in the week and I just couldn't be bothered so I got all my fitness back which is a a really great thing for me and then um but at the end of the three months because within that three months you know I went on holiday like a girl's holiday and all my girlfriends were drinking like morning noon and night and I did not sip one sip of alcohol and mm. and I was so proud of myself because I was like wow maybe I really could do this sober life like maybe this is it but then at the end of the three months I celebrated with a bottle of Prosecco yeah and <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, yeah because I couldn't imagine being I was 23 at the time and I just couldn't imagine my life it's bizarre because like you're like oh my life is so mega now but you still like can't well I'm not talking for everyone but for me I I still just couldn't imagine my my life without it uh, even though I knew I was better off without without it so anyway I drank again and then um I drank for another hellish 10 months um when and that at that point was when my mental health sort sort of took like a second nosedive hmm. um and I was like I said before, I was just getting myself into really tricky situations. And I think as well, I think with mental health is like, once you start to have mental health issues, mine were definitely, well, they were undiagnosed for a very long time. So I just started mm-hmm. to believe that that was my personality. I just started to believe that I was a very sad person. 
Mm. And I think that eats away at your self-confidence and self-worth, self-belief. And I just didn't think that I was very, like, worthy of anything. I just didn't think that I deserved anything good in my life. And it was just a really negative spot to be in. And if you do already follow me on Instagram or you know me in real life, um, the two are quite similar. Like, my family are like, whoa, do you want to stop being so real? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Chill. Um... But I'm quite a positive person, like I'm upbeat, positive. So when I look back to those days when I was so not that, it really makes me quite sad to think that I was in such a dark place. But I know that alcohol and my mental health were intrinsically linked Mm. uh, because I don't have those issues anymore and I don't drink. So it's a pretty clear correlation personally. So I basically had my last drink on the 13th of November in 2019. So I'm 18 months sober in 10 days, to be precise. Mm, congratulations. congratulations. Thanks, thanks. So, um, so yeah, and, and that's it. And then I, I sort of set up my Instagram to hold myself accountable, really, at first. But um, it's become a nice sort of area of community for, for others as well, which has been fabulous. Mm, there's so many pieces of that as you were talking about it that I was just like nodding my head. I feel like we go into this feeling like we're so alone in the way we experience alcohol and the way it starts mm-hmm. affecting our mental health. And like you said, you really get into this place of just believing that this is just who I am mm-hmm. and I am just like this effed up or or unworthy or whatever it is that like is your own internal dialogue because mine was pretty messed up too Um, yeah and then we we share these stories and I'm like oh my god there's so many things I I'm not a retired party girl I quit drinking after becoming a mother so in many ways it's very different for me but like so many of the pieces like knowing from my first drink or the part that you mentioned about like the the anxiety increasing and like this whole self inner talk it just I don't know I really resonated with your story thank you for sharing that with us oh no thank you so much yeah it's so true like I I say this quite often you know on Instagram and stuff and share with people that at the time you do feel so alone don't you you're like I am the only person that feels like this oh my god I'm so isolated and then as soon as you even just dip your toe into the sober community whatever your support network is you're like oh no there's loads of people as messed up as me (laughs) (laughs) I saw your post um what was it you were quoting a book about um find a fucked up buddy and I was like oh my god that is exactly what we do here. That's, that's like the entire, can you explain what the, the concept for that is? Yeah, of course. So I read this amazing book called A Sane New World. And it's, um, it, I actually read it in sobriety, but I read it when I was going through a bit of a tricky time because I think as well, people think you go sober and all your mental health issues just go poof and disappear. Yeah. <laughs> Magic. And it's like, uh, I wish. Um, so I had a bit of a rocky year, really, like my first year of sobriety, mental health wise, I was still kind of like sorting all of that out so I was I read a book called A Sane New World by Ruby Wax and she um she basically explains uh the concept of finding a fucked buddy which (laughs) is I mean she was talking with regards to mental health but I think the two are linked aren't they in terms of alcohol Mm -hmm. um, sobriety and mental health but um she basically said you have to find someone who is equally as fucked up as you are in exactly (laughs) the same department so that you can talk to each other and relate about how fucked up each of you are 
and then you can share your problems and that person will understand and relate rather than someone that isn't fucked up like you and they just go oh yeah I can imagine yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah well oh, can yeah you? can you yeah <laughs> totally I'm I I think so much of our stories resonate Katie I know we talked a little bit um last week but I'm also like ex-party girl I got sober mm-hmm. at 23 um mm-hmm. I left college to go to rehab so I'm with you like school mm-hmm. my schooling went to shit my grades were terrible I was getting in trouble um I was just and I, I think it gets serious I get one thing for me when I look back that I that I try and be a proponent of now is like the dangers of being that party girl because I think it's it's super glamorized like oh like you said you know you're VIP you don't have to cut you know you get to cut all the lines when we would have celebrities come to college to do shows like I would always be the first one to in and to be able to meet them and so it was like oh this this glamorous side of being this party girl but then people kind of ignore the other side which is I was waking up a lot of times in frat houses or places that I didn't know and I was sleeping with people I didn't know or I wasn't remembering mm-hmm. which is non-consensual sex mm-hmm. you know I was mm-hmm. going home with people I was getting into cars I was getting behind the wheel like mm-hmm. there were so many situations when I look back now and I just think hey how am I even Oh my God. Um, yeah. Be, you know, how, how, how did I not kill somebody else or, or hurt somebody else or, or mm. why am I not in jail? Um, and mm. I think a lot of that too is like, it's white privilege and also being yeah. female. Um, yes. 100%. And so, um, but yeah, but it is this, yeah. even this idea, I think of this ex retired party girl, like we, we love about it. And I think it's something, um, but we the ex-retired party girls need to talk about more because it's I still think sometimes it's a little bit glamorized um this whole idea like oh well you can still be the party girl you know and and the fun time girl but I I couldn't be that girl anymore because there was so much negativity tied to it that I had to kind of retire completely um whereas I kind of notice sometimes in the, the the online community that um it's like no you can still party and go have fun and and do all these things and I think that's true but um I I I think sometimes we need to talk about uh, especially as women that we face yeah that's really interesting to hear that because you're right I think people's people get so obsessed with um the identity shift in sobriety Mm -hmm. so like for me my identity was so wrapped up in that party girl image that when I got sober I was obsessed with not losing it so much so that I would go on nights out and I'm I'm sure you guys relate you know you go on a night out and you're like I will stay till the end I will say and you like (laughs) wide knuckle it and you're like because I'm the fun time girl I can stay till 12 when really you literally would rather eat your foot than be there (laughs) and like and I and I always used to do that and then I would always drink and I'd be like Katie Mm. you know stop like stop forcing it's like square peg round hole now you're mm-hmm. not that girl you're like you're not her and, and and you're glad rest in peace I don't want to be you anymore I much prefer who I am now and but it's just so difficult when you go sober there's so much to think about that 
you kind of think on you don't want to accept the fact that you are probably changing more than you'll ever know and it's only until after you kind of look back and see that change but I think it's all a positive thing like the growth and the development but I wonder is there a way that you know that could be educated more maybe not educated but maybe promoted more that you are going to change and that is a good thing like well I know I think that that speaks to the fact that like it is so important for young people to see other young people making choices like this. When you said the yeah. the, the part about like my life is so mega now, it's like we have unlocked this entire new bright shiny world of of living without alcohol. Yeah. And by by glamorizing that in like an equal way to the way that alcohol is glamorized and party girl lifestyle is glamorized. I think that that like subtly starts to shift the perception of, mm. of what actually is so much fun to, to do. Cause it's like you said, like really for me, I don't have any fun going to parties, but I have a really great time going on a hike on a Sunday. Oh my gosh. You are talking to me girl. Yeah. So just like really, I don't know, like I, I think it's so cool when you see people that are in their like mid to early twenties who are talking about this other lifestyle, because I think it just opens doors for other young people to stumble into this. It's like, I saw a really hilarious meme one time that was like, what the fuck are they doing over there in sober Instagram? Um, But anytime somebody (laughs) stumbles over into like our little corner of things, I think it just unlocks one more door. And there's Mm -hmm. so many people that are so afraid of making these changes early on. And I know I don't know a single person who hasn't been like, yeah, I wish I had changed sooner. I wish oh I had God, known. Yeah. I wish I knew this when I was 23. I wish I knew this when I was 24. Um, yeah. So I think it's just amazing that that Kayla, you too, that y'all talk about this kind of younger. Um, what do they call it? Early early exiters of people who exit this, <laughs> this, this lifestyle it, a little bit early. What was it funny. like? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say it's it's funny because Kayla, like you said to me like obviously on our live and stuff you told me your story and I was looking at you and I'm like wow like you stopped at 23 wow and I'm like what and then I'm like Katie you stopped at 24 like chill yeah (laughs) do do you know what I mean but in my head I would do anything to have stopped earlier so it's just funny in like the concept of time it's just like you really you just need to do what feels right for you at, at that time like the sooner the better definitely well, and it's like that phrase, like, once you know better, do better. But until then, like, take, yeah. care, take care of yourself and give yourself grace for, for all of the stuff in between. Mm, love that. Yeah. So what was it like for you socially when you first quit drinking? Um, so all of my friends were really supportive. Uh, my dad's an alcoholic and he's been sober for 33 years. Mm. So, yeah, so they obviously knew that like my best friends knew that my dad's an alcoholic and like alcoholism and sobriety is it's always been a really open dialogue in my house obviously because of my dad and my brother is also four years sober um an alcoholic my cousins I've got uncles like it's just all over the show over here <laughs> mm. so um so it's been a really open dialogue and my friends sort of we all sort of knew it was coming in a way um mm. and they were really really supportive which was great but I did struggle because I always found that it was more it was always a bigger deal in my head than it was in anyone else's so I would like freak out before like going to parties and stuff and everyone's just like 
it's fine like we're, we're not bothered we don't mind if you don't drink or not like literally stop being so self-obsessed <laughs> no but I think that that's a really good point that like we can really build it up a whole lot more in our yes. head than yeah. what the actual reality of it is yeah definitely and I always say that you know people message me on Instagram they're like oh my god I'm going to this party and what's she gonna say and I'm like yeah but has she said that though or yeah like no and I'm like well that's a bit insane then <laughs> let's just reel it in and they're like oh yeah but uh, you know I have all these thoughts as well like it's you know I always say as well deal with the facts unless mm. someone has actually said to you you know we don't want you to come because you don't drink like you can't you can't make stuff up because you're just making yourself upset you know well somebody told me one time and it was like the most freeing thing anybody had ever told me but they were like you know people are thinking about you a whole lot less than you think they are and I was like oh you were so right like because that for me that just opened up the door for me to to, to just live more authentically in general. But like, yeah, I think it really relates to the social piece. Like we feel like we are sticking out like a sore thumb when we go to the social event without drinking alcohol and yeah. like, nobody cares. Nobody's no. nobody gives a shit. No, my dad used to say to me all the time, like when I would like freak out because a lot of the time I actually would freak out, but not tell my friends because I was very fortunate to have my dad who'd been in sustained sobriety. So I would go to him with my problems and be like, Oh mm. my God, I'm going to party. And he'd just give me like, you know just one-liners like that what you've just said then that really just like ground you and you're like snap you out of it don't they Mm. Um, and he just said do you think do you think that people you know give that much of a shit about you like nobody (laughs) nobody cares about what you're drinking they only care about what they're drinking Mm. I was like oh yeah (laughs) ouch but thanks (laughs) yeah no exactly it's like oh that hurt a little bit but (laughs) mostly it freed me yeah mostly yeah yeah 80 20 80 20 (laughs) well I think it's called um the spotlight effect right Beth um when we it's like this psychological term for basically what that is is we think that everything's kind of about us right Mm -hmm. like and I think it's also kind of like the joke is like, okay, that's your alcoholism. Um, mm. It's like me, me, me. Yeah. Uh, but this spotlight effect of like, we think that everything we're doing is constantly being watched. And like, yeah, everyone's going to know when we show up to the party that we're not drinking and everyone's going to be asking what's in our cup and everyone's going to be knowing, you know, if we're leaving early. And, and the, yeah. the reality is nobody is doing any of those things. And yeah. And, and I, and I know, I, I mean, I've like, for me, I, I remember when I moved to Orange County, probably about two years ago, I'd been coming down to visit my now boyfriend and meet his friends and I'd, I'd go out with them. And it wasn't until I even moved here that some of them even like discovered that I didn't drink because I was going out with them. I was staying up late. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was doing all the activities and then it wasn't really until I remember somebody like offered me, they were doing shots. I was like, Oh, I'm okay. And they're like, come on, come on. I was like, no, like I don't, I don't drink. And they were like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, seriously? Like I, I, how did I not know that? I was like, I don't know. I just don't, you know, I don't walk into the room and say, excuse me, everybody. I'm, I'm sober. Please. Do <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, attention. Attention all. I'd like yes, to make an announcement. Everyone. Exactly. And, and maybe, you know, and I think probably in early sobriety, I, I probably did do that. Um, but <laughs> yeah. then, 
later on you kind of like get over it and you're like all right well you know I'll 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 talk to somebody about it if they ask and and if a drink's presented or if somebody's being pushy but really you 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 recognize really fast especially now with all the the NA options when I'm bringing in like to the party the other day I we had like a a barbecue for my boyfriend's 30th and I had like clean cause energy drinks and I had kin and I had a bunch of um like NA beer options and like all these all these like normies like people who you know don't have problems were like oh my gosh like I want to try all these and then these are so fun and you know they got excited about it and um Mm. it was more it's always been more of a positive thing like I really had only maybe one negative you know uh situation I guess or experience with somebody being like a dick and I've Mm. been sober for five years so it's like one time out of five wow that's amazing yeah and actually to be fair I think about it and I'm like if anything everyone I tell or who ask or they're impressed they're like wow that's such a great life life decision and then usually after a couple of drinks they're like so how do you do it then how how can (laughs) I how can I do it and it's like it's great that you know it's actually more impressive than embarrassing and when I first went sober I thought it would be more embarrassing than impressive and for sure it's the other way around (laughs) yeah so I, I know you said you're really into fitness. I was watching your Instagram stories and, and seeing that. Like, are you a trainer or are you just like super into fitness? No, I'm not a trainer. I'm just, I just love fitness. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I've never, I, I don't know if I could be a trainer. <laughs> I don't know if I have the patience. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I ask because I think this is something really important, right? What? the the kind of commotion I've seen it on, on in the sober Instagram world is like this idea of fitness and wellness and alcohol so like you know the beer yoga and the everybody goes to class and then they go and get drinks afterwards and yeah. I think that people who are fitness buffs it's kind of this conundrum because you know I saw somebody calling somebody out the other day and, and I'm not necessarily into doing that but it's very annoying to watch these like fitness, you know, influencers or wellness influencers who are promoting, you know, even, even go as far as to say like, Oh, I'm a mental health advocate. And then in their next post, they're, you know, talking about, Oh, go buy this wine. Um, And I just don't see how alcohol fits into the wellness or health industry at all, considering the definition of, of health and wellness industry is like, you know, your overall well-being, like spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. So alcohol negative to all those things. And um, I know you had said, you know, you weren't working out when you were drinking. And now, you know, obviously you're back full force. Um, mm. How did alcohol impact that? Like, how did you get from a point from loving fitness to just not doing it because I imagine like that was really probably a a big impact on your mental health too oh my gosh yeah absolutely massively yeah I um I was never a sporty kid at school um but it was like when I got into kind of college well college for so university so yeah you so the years before university so I was probably about 17 um 
and I would just like go to the gym and stuff and then it was sort of like I've only really gotten massively into fitness actually in sobriety but Mm. not this time around the first time I ever really was into it was when I did that three months sober in 2018 and um I honestly just started going to the gym loads because I had so much free time because I wasn't drinking (laughs) and I thought well what else am I supposed to do so (laughs) so it was sort of a happy accident really um Although I'd always been into like running and things like that, but never really the gym. And then when I got into that, I really loved it. And I I really realized that I had a passion for it. But then I went back to drinking. And so in my drinking, you know, obviously you're hungover um, and you don't want to go because you're hungover. But I remember I used to book gym classes like early on a Sunday morning in an attempt to make me not go out. Mm-hmm. I've done that <laughs> yeah haven't you oh my god like awful logic because it's a lose-lose situation I'm either not gonna go because I'm hungover or I'm gonna go hungover well like, yeah and I would like mix in a level of punishment too so it was like <laughs> yes. not only am I gonna do this to try to prevent myself but then if I do drink the bottle of wine then I'm gonna like really punish my physical body (laughs) such a terrible mindset really is so toxic on yourself yeah but I actually it's funny we're talking about this because um only yesterday I found a video on my phone you know and it comes up and it's like this day three years ago or whatever Mm. well oh my god the horrors I face when my time hop does that (laughs) Um, (laughs) but um it basically came up and it was a video of me saying um like filming myself on snapchat or whatever being like oh my god just come out of the gym so hungover but let me tell you that is the best hangover cure you can ever do and oh my god and I just thought who are you trying to kid Katie you look horrendous like I was obviously trying to kid myself um but I remember that day so clearly I had really bad anxiety I really didn't want to go but I was going with my sister and I felt I couldn't let her down you know the self-hatred is just awful um and I remember as well like I think it was probably about six months after that I just completely stopped going to the gym because I was always hung over and stuff and um I actually thought right Casey you've really got to get get back into gear with this because I knew it was really negatively affecting my mental health and I would just like have panic attacks and I was just really depressed I'd, I'd been put on antidepressants at this point I was really really in a low spot and I thought I I thought of the gym as like my sort of sanctuary really so Mm. I thought right let's try and get back into this but I was still drinking because it's everything but the drink isn't it so Mm -hmm. yep so um I went to and did like a hit class like a high intensity workout class and I couldn't do it I just Mm. couldn't do it and I couldn't even I just couldn't do it and I had like the worst I wasn't even hungover I just couldn't I was so unfit compared to what I had been in the past and I just got in the car and burst out crying Mm. because I I just felt so like I just let myself go and I just let myself down and I just lost myself completely like I couldn't even do the one thing that sort of I knew would bring me happiness I couldn't do that anymore and um and then like and then I stopped drinking honestly about five weeks after that day Mm. and that was my last drink so I think I was really coming towards my like sort of final rock bottom 
mm-hmm. uh, at that point mentally anyway definitely and then sort of since then it's just been like an upward trajectory in terms of fitness because I've had the time I've had the headspace I've had the sort of motivation but I think most importantly I've had the motivation but actually more importantly than that I've had the discipline mm. to do it because yep. discipline is so much more important than motivation in terms of fitness I don't want to go to the gym every day no yep. one wants to no one in their right mind wants to do that <laughs> <laughs> but you you go because you know it's you know what's good for you and you and most importantly and I think this has been the biggest shift for me this year is that I have realized that I used to go to the gym to punish my body like mm. you just said to yep. punish m- myself for food that I'd eaten for Prosecco that I drank to sort of prove to myself that I wasn't a problem drinker because I gym four times a week Mm. it was like oh no I I do yoga I'm not an alcoholic (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but now I see fitness as like a reward like I'm so lucky I get to do this on a Sunday morning like you said go for a hike Mm. how am I so blessed that I can get up on a Sunday morning and go for a, a you know 12 mile hike like I'm just so fortunate and and the 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 clarity and the the space in my mind that fitness gives me is just absolutely priceless Hmm. that makes this is kind of a little bit off subject but what you said about like how fortunate am I to be able to do this to be able to go to the gym that was really a place for me when I I quit drinking was I had a friend who is battling cancer and um, he has since passed away. But when he was sick was like right around the time of like the beginning of my rock bottom. And I just, one of the things that really stuck out to me is like, how dare I literally physically poison this body that Mm -hmm. I have of mine that I have like this able, capable body, this healthy body, and I'm literally pouring poison into it Mm -hmm. When my friend is sick and and has this so outside of his zone of like control. And I think that really ties in with like this just deep gratitude for, I don't know, like I, I've battled my body for a long time, a lot of my adult life. And I have just come to a place of really realizing what a capable, able body that I have and what a gift that is. And I think that that really like once you get to that mindset, mind shift mindset shift that one's so hard for me to say every time you really start realizing like god why am I why am I drinking this rocket fuel that is literally harming me like a hangover a hangover is such a red flag of something terrible happening in your body and it's so nice and it's so common and like I mean everybody goes it's just so common to see people like that snapchat that you talked about where like oh I'm so hungover at the gym but I did it yeah and it's so normalized and it's like y'all we're pouring rocket fuel in our bodies that is literally poisoning us and it's making it to where we these miraculous bodies that that we have I said that weird we have these amazing miraculous bodies and we're we're harming them with this substance and I think it really just the the cognitive dissonance that I see in the fitness industry around this is really really just so crazy to me I mean it's like Kayla said when you see the the vinyasa and vino and like the the beers after the the races yeah the disconnect is so wild to me yeah so true and I actually even think that about um sporting culture because it's not just yeah not just the fitness industry like you know 
people especially things like you know like the rugby and the football and mm. they're like it's all that lad 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 culture where it's like if you're not getting absolutely leathered after a game why are you even here and it's like what what like it just doesn't it just doesn't fit it just doesn't make sense but it just shows how deeply ingrained it is because it's just so normalized isn't it like you say leathered I'm gonna add that one to my vocabulary that's a new one oh my gosh that's so funny that's such a British thing for me to say absolutely car park (laughs) gazebo oh my god those are so good (laughs) it's true though right and you know what's it's funny is when you when you watch interviews of like top athletes they don't Mm. even drink and if Mm -hmm. they do it's seldom to rare because they're Mm -hmm. they're that's their peak like I mean uh, I know, like, I love J-Lo. Like, she is... Oh, uh, queen. Ama- just, yes, queen. Yes. And it, she doesn't drink, and she's not sober. She never had an issue with alcohol, yeah. but you don't think... It, the people are like, oh, how does she look like that? Like, you know, she's 50. And it's like, no, no, it's not like, oh, all the work, she, all this work she gets done. Like, I don't think people understand the concept of, like, what is work? You know, it's like, okay, Botox and a little filler is not going to make you look like that. I hate to break it to you. Like, that's... <laughs> That's oh my god if so send me her surgery. yeah yes right exactly like <laughs> sure my bo- I get Botox and I definitely don't look like that um but it, that's like that's somebody who cares about their body and not somebody mm. who cares about their craft yes and, and it's there's so many people and I, I think people don't think about those you know types of celebrities because it's like well they're not like sober sober and it's like okay but we need to be promoting people like JLo and Shakira too, who don't drink because it doesn't fit in with their lifestyle. And that's okay too. Like you don't need to be quitting alcohol because it's a Mm -hmm. problem. You can quit alcohol because you want to be a professional athlete or because you want to be at the top of your game. If you're, you know, a doctor or a surgeon or a lawyer or somebody like, like me or Beth, like we're working right now where we work at a startup we're working 70 hours a week. I have no time to be hungover. Like, mm-hmm. frankly, it just, it wouldn't fit into my schedule at all. And so yeah. in order for me to be at my peak and, and have, you know, be at the top of my intellectual game, my creativity, everything else, like alcohol just doesn't fit into that. And so I think mm-hmm. people need to shift the mindset from like, like you said, well, I'm not in, and I'm not an alcoholic. It's like, well, don't you want your crow pose to be better? Don't you want your... You yeah, know, just don't do you, you want, want to just improve your life? Like my dad, I remember he said yeah. to me, when I was drinking, he was like, I was like, my, I said to him at the time, oh, I can't do that because I'm going to be hungover tomorrow. Mm. And, and he laughed and was like, <laughs> imagine if you said... I can't because I'm going to be, um, I'm going to have a sickness bug tomorrow. I'm going to be, I've just got time out so I can just have like <laughs> sickness and diarrhea all day. And, and, and yeah. I was like, and he was like, what? I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he's like, imagine just shading out a day, a whole day of your life, a whole day. You could die the day after. This life is so fragile. Hmm. You don't know what's coming. And and imagine saying oh, I can't I can't do that because I'm 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 taking time out to recover from poisoning myself. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm gonna be pre sick. I'm pre sick. I already know I'll be sick. Oh, totally. So I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, well, I bet and, your dad gets a kick out of that too. Is like he probably gave you so much shit, and you're probably like, oh god, that's so annoying. And now it's well, I'm 
I'm also that annoying person now too. So yeah, jokes on me. <laughs> like father, like daughter. <laughs> yep. Well, and I find it interesting. So um, I I do. I'm newly obsessed with Peloton. So sorry for everyone who listens to this pe- podcast where I talk about Peloton every week. Um, but <laughs> I love me a Cody Rigsby ride. I adore Cody Rigsby. And he is like my favorite instructor. And I saw an Instagram post he posted a while ago that was like five truths you need to know about your health and wellness or something. And one of them was like, you got to cut the booze. And mm. I thought that was very interesting because – the it it contradict well not not contradict that's not the right word it um was such a stark contrast from my experience within peloton rides and within the culture of peloton because there are so many leaderboard names that are like peloton for wine and yep. like booze jokes and all of that oh, and wow. like Cody Rigsby, love you, babe. You're my boo. But you also make a lot of alcohol jokes in the middle of the ride. And just to see that that dichotomy of like, he clearly understands that this is a, a key to wellness and a key to peak performance. And he is this this athlete who does these amazing things and mm-hmm. these these rides and can motivate you and all that shit. But at the same time, the this this uh, normalization of this this joking culture around alcohol use and around alcohol use, even within the fitness industry, it's like, there's still that cognitive distance. So it's such a, such a really like solitary moment of like, wow, this, this is so wild that this person can understand that this, this one thing that you remove from your life can really impact your fitness, your wellness, your health can even call this out in one setting. Still the other side still has all of these places where jokes are made and where it's normalized and where it's rationalized. And I think that mm-hmm. that for me just like really stuck out as this moment in my brain of like, there's so much more, there's so much more work to do to make this yeah. so where people's brains can understand this in a different sense. And like Kayla said, I think the things with like JLo, like there's some people out there starting to talk about this, but that's why I think it's so powerful for just like normal everyday folks to have this little you know have a platform on Instagram or something like that because once you point things like this out I don't really find anybody comes back to me and they're like no that's still bullshit they're like oh my god you've just unlocked a layer of my brain that I didn't know existed there yeah how how have I never thought of it this way um but I think that that's why it's so cool that you tie in this fitness piece to your Instagram even if you're not a trainer because I think I think it just really speaks to, again, that piece of like, my life is so mega now. I love what you said about that. My life is so mega now because now I don't have to be pre-sick. I don't have to block off a Sunday knowing I'm going to be hungover. I know I can go on that hike with my dad and I can Mm -hmm. do my gym and I can like go to bed earlier, whatever you want to do. And it's just like this. I don't know. I, I get, I'm like a sobriety evangelist. I get hung up on like, everybody needs to know these amazing things we've unlocked, but there's just such a, such a divide still. Yeah. I think it's like the main thing that has given me, like just hearing you say that then like about like listing those things that my life has is that sobriety has given me so much time. Hmm. And I used to, I used to think that you know, even still, though, there's still not enough hours in the day, is there? No. <laughs> even sobriety. But Mm-mm. imagine, like, I just can't even wrap my head around the fact that I would genuinely waste, because it is a waste, mm. my life sat in bed, shaking, nauseous, sick, not going to the gym. Like, I just, it's just madness to me. Like, I, I can't believe that I I did that and to myself for for all those 
yeah it's like I just feel that time is so precious and sobriety quite literally does elongate your life in terms of health benefits mm-hmm. <laughs> um but in terms of free time and discovering hobbies and seeing friends real friends not drinking buddies um mm, yeah. and building relationships and I just feel so unbelievably blessed to to have that well and if you if you add in all the time to actually spent drinking and all the time thinking about drinking ahead of time like the planning oh God, yeah. and that like there is mm-hmm. it's just incredible how much time you get back and how much free space you have have to do on the other side and I think that mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little scary for folks because they don't know what to fill that free space with mm-hmm. um but it's like you said like life's so mega there's so many things to do get a new it's hobby so like, much try oh, something God. new what what are some yeah. of the I got really into cross stitch when I first quit drinking <laughs> oh my but, God, amazing yeah did you do any like crazy crazy first sobriety things oh my god you're gonna laugh but I went pole dancing Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so I went pole dancing in like the summer of 2018 on like a random Wednesday night I drove past this pole studio near my old work and I was like yeah okay <laughs> so I went in and I came home my mum was like where have you been I was like um pole dancing <laughs> she was like holy shit <laughs> I was like yeah I know she's like wow this sober life is she'd be like oh my god you'd be a sober stripper <laughs> yes. a sober stripper yeah I got into pole dancing after I quit drinking I don't think many people say that yeah I know oh my god so true but yeah I was great you know it's really great for upper body strength like I really enjoyed it there's the difference there isn't it cross stitch and um pole dancing I, I I feel like I'm more of a cross stitch kind of gal <laughs> to be honest <laughs> but um but no, that's that, a really oh, good workout though the pole dance oh, I, I took a class yeah. at a bachelorette party and I was more sore from that than any workout I've ever honestly, done honestly it really gets your upper body it was like a pole fitness class obviously mm-hmm. so it was like yeah half fitness half like tricks on the pole and stuff but it's really good for your flexibility and strength I nearly got a pole fitted in our garage but my mom and dad said no <laughs> 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 I was like oh but also reading. I've got massively into yes. reading, like obviously quit lit, sobriety stuff, but mainly like, you know, self-development. That's the other side of sobriety is I say, mm-hmm. you know, stopping drinking is actually the easy bit <laughs> in oh. comparison to all the work you've got to do on yourself and, and you know, the looking inwards and, and stuff. So I've really enjoyed that side of it, the spiritual side of it. And yeah. I think that's such a good point too, because I think even if you don't come to removing alcohol from your life from like an addiction standpoint, you Mm. still come to it stripping away this one thing that has so many different um, contexts to it. So it's got like this Mm. cultural context and it has this numbing technique context Mm. and you realize all of these different pieces that it was touching, even if you don't come from it, from the addiction side, even if you didn't Mm. like have a physical or chemical dependence on it you start to realize that this one thing was it had its fingers in like so many different places so even yeah. yeah I find that even if you are not from the addiction side there's still so much work that removing this one thing reveals but I feel like every single sober person I know whether you know whatever path they came to it from is like the most uh, emotionally intelligent people I've known <laughs> like you it's have all, like, all this free time and all of this space and you're like well shit I guess I better work on myself yeah and like and I also find that everybody that doesn't drink are the most like humble 
people and they're the most empathetic understanding mm. just kind-hearted generous people because I feel that you you really get to know yourself and obviously the, you know the old well-known phrase like how are you supposed to you know love anybody else if you don't love yourself and right. it, it or expect anyone else to love you like I just think once you get rid of that toxic thing you do just learn to fill yourself up with love with things that actually interest you and things that actually set your heart on fire mm. and then that just projects outward and then people want to love you and you love them back and the relationships are so much more pure it's just so much joy is is brought whether you have like you say whether you are physically or chemically dependent or not either way alcohol is shit that's mm-hmm. what I always say like there's a reason why every single person on the planet if they drank a certain amount of alcohol they would be hung over why is that because it's a poison right so <laughs> doesn't matter whether you're a normie or not I know so many normies that are horrendously hung over right <laughs> so I think it's all it's all the same petrol isn't it it is. My husband had a hangover the other day and he doesn't drink a whole lot anymore, but mm. he gets a hangover like once every six months. And I yeah. told him, I was like, it is so wonderful for me to see you like this <laughs> because it's just like this subtle little reminder of, oh yeah, I never want another fucking hangover in my life ever again. So thank you for this yeah. gift that you've given me. And he's like over there with our kids climbing on him and like just looks so miserable. Uh, it's great. Smug sober, isn't it? You've got to yeah. have it some days. When oh, I first yeah. went sober, I was like, I'm not going to be that girl. And now I'm like, no, no, I'm fully that girl. I'm yeah, embracing totally. her. <laughs> oh, I know. I saw your smug sober reel and I was like, oh, yeah, that that is definitely me in some some situations, but especially with my husband. I'm like very much the smug sober girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, Katie, I, I saw your stories today um, and I really loved what you talked about. We, we kind of touched on mental health a little bit, but you had mentioned that you had like had an off day all of a sudden and that's just kind of like how it goes um can Mm. you talk more about that experience of course yeah so I did an insta live actually on Monday night and we ended up talking a lot about my mental health journey and to be honest it's not really something that I talk about on my Instagram I actually don't know why it's not a conscious decision but I think I just so often talk about the positives and the benefits of sobriety that sometimes I forget to talk about the low moments Um, Mm -hmm. and actually it sort of made me check myself to be honest because and like think about my content and and what I'm saying to my audience because I do want to remind myself and others of those early sort of struggles and then Mm -hmm. literally I woke up the next day so yesterday oh my God, I couldn't breathe. I was so anxious. I couldn't breathe in for more than three counts. Like my chest was so tight. Um, I just, I tried meditation. I tried yoga. I tried breathing exercises. I went to the gym. I went for a walk with my mum, and I felt better after the walk and going to the gym because obviously fresh air and fitness just tend to sort my head out pretty quickly, but I still didn't feel right. Even yesterday falling asleep. And, um, I just kept saying to myself all day, like, it's one day at a time, this too shall pass, mm-hmm. it will go, like, don't worry. Um, but then I woke up this morning and sure enough, it had gone. But, you know, months ago, I probably wouldn't have put that, you know, on social media because I would think, you know, people, you know, come to my page to feel positive, like they don't want to see, you know, me moaning about, you know, my anxiety. 
but I thought yesterday no I, I will actually because mm. I, I want to be more you know open and honest about that type of thing and the honestly the outpouring of love from people saying like oh my god me too I hope you're okay obviously all of that is lovely but it's just lovely to know that you're not alone mm. and now that person on the other end of you know my socials doesn't feel alone either and I just wanted to say today on my story that like I do feel better thank you so much mm. for the messages but also like just if you are in that spot it will go away every feeling is temporary mm. like nothing is permanent that's the only thing that that, that is permanent is the fact that it's not <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the only thing that's yeah like and and I just felt that you know it was important to say that on my story I think my mental health journey has been turbulent um <laughs> to say the least Ours too. <laughs> yeah and um and I do think that sobriety and alcohol and mental health are intrinsically linked. Yes. I'm not saying, of course, that alcohol causes all forms of mental health. Obviously not. But for me and my story that, you know, like I said at the start of, the, of our conversation, when I stopped drinking, like my depression just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, obviously with the help of CBT and I went on antidepressants for a while um, and I've been working through that stuff, but I know that alcohol made me feel worse um, because it is a depressant, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, yep. so I mean, literally, it will make you feel depressed. So, um, I think now, you know, it's taken about a year um, for me to get to grips with my mental health. I mean, a year of sobriety. Mm. And I think it is a big myth that people think if you go sober, your mental health issues just disappear. Right because I wish that was the case but it's not and I think that as well like what you were saying about what we were just saying about um getting oh wait what oh my gosh I'm so sorry I've just lost my train of thought (laughs) well no I think I think that's exactly (laughs) right and I think that that's a really important piece for for others to hear is like sometimes you can be I, I saw that you just celebrated around 500 days is that right Yes. So you can be 500 days in and then still have a day where mm. that mental health piece comes back. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows on the other side of sobriety mm. and that's okay. And I think mm. sometimes folks go into it, like you said, a, a hoping that like the second they remove alcohol, poof, everything's fixed and there's this magic wand mm. and it's still life. Like it is still normal life. We still yeah. have ups and downs we have brain chemical differences Mm. like there's still so many components of it that Mm. it's still going to be hard and it's still going to have days where you wake up and you have that that feeling in your chest or you have the Mm. depression that recurs or whatever it is um but it's for me for me I always come back to it's still better than if I was drinking it's still better than if I was drinking because if I woke up feeling this way when I was still drinking I would then go drink a bottle of wine And then I would be physically ill. I would hate myself. I'd say terrible things to myself, to myself about myself and Mm -hmm. then wake up the next morning feeling even worse. And so I think it's just very powerful that you shared that on your social media and that, I mean, you know, I don't think it's a requirement for everyone who has a platform to talk about these things. Yeah. Because we have all, we all have our, we have all have our our comfort levels and and vulnerability is a learned skill and yada, yada, yada. But I think when somebody does take a moment to say like, I'm having a rough day and I know I'll be okay. And I know it's going to be fine. 
Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of in it right now. And then coming later and being like, yeah, I was in it. And now I'm feeling better today. And thank you for the support. Um, I don't know. I just, I come back to this idea that like, we're all just deeply human and mm. to let ourselves be seen in that way is really powerful. And to, to see somebody else in that way and to, to be that person on the other end of it, who's having a really rough day or really in it, like really drinking a lot right now mm. and really having that, that sense for the, the mental health piece is really coming up and then seeing somebody on the other side of things share that like you know I'm, I'm in it right now and, and I'm I'm going through this I think it's just really really powerful so I really loved that story that you shared oh thank you no that really means a lot because like equally when I set up my Instagram I thought it was for me and and then slowly yeah. it sort of become like for others and people message mm. me and they're like they're like thank you so much and I'm like no thank you you have no mm-hmm. idea how much your messages help me like and it's so kind and it's so great to have that community of people because yeah you you can still feel even though you know I'm nearly 18 months sober I'm still a baby in this mm. <laughs> in this whole thing like people are like wow 18 months I'm like you know I am so proud of myself obviously and I'm like so grateful to be here but equally I appreciate that this is very early stages of my of my own journey as well and I'm still trying to figure out my own shit day to day and it is just to take it a day at a time in terms of alcohol and being kind to yourself and your mental mm-hmm. health it's just yeah baby steps isn't it mm-hmm. yeah and just saying what you were just saying then about um, comparing it, well, I'd rather be like this than be hungover. It's so true. Like my dad, I, I, I keep quoting my dad, but he's just such a legend. He, he was like, um, <laughs> he always used to say to me, if I had like a wobble in my sobriety, he'd be like, yeah, but compared to what? Okay, you mm. had a bad day, but compared to what? Compare it to one day when you were drinking. I'm sure mm, you would yeah. rather this. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's always the better choice to, yeah, to just definitely just not drink that. It's just a reminder that it, it comes back to like sobriety and sobriety. Once again, I, I feel like I'm using that in, in an umbrella term of just anybody who doesn't drink. Uh, mm-hmm. It's such a, it's a privilege. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I mean that lit- literally like we are privileged because it, it goes back to what Beth was saying is we at this moment in time are all healthy physically, you know, we have a roof over our heads, you know, we have a platform Mm. that we can speak on. Um, We have jobs and there are so many people. I mean, there's 7 billion people in the world and a lot of people like don't have a lot or anything. Or when I think about, people who are like houseless and you know people give people shit and they're like oh you know people that are just houseless or homeless like Mm. they're they're doing it purposely because they're they're drug addicts or their mental health and and you know don't give them money because you know they're just going to go use it to buy more cigarettes or drugs or alcohol and my perception is like okay sure but when you're in that spot think if you had no home and no job and of, I mean, a f- full, not just a full day of doing nothing, but a whole life of, of really nothing. 
I would well, it's, it's like fucked up too. Yeah, it's a Maslow's yeah. hierarchy of needs thing. It's like your yes. your core safe needs of safety and of purpose in life. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's such a good point that like we can focus on these these things like health and wellness and stuff because we have so many of these other other Maslow hierarchy needs met, like this the the roof of our heads, literal physical safety, things like that. Mm, um, exactly. Yeah, and we it get, just feels we like get such this. A yeah, I, that that kind of it's not not to get so tense but at the same time like I think you know Katie when you said you know one of the probably pivots for you was that moment where you realize like I can't even work out anymore like I literally Mm. can't even do something that really brings me joy and Mm. something's got to change for me you know we talked a little about my my story on your IG lives like I Mm. was in a, a very very deep addiction place like I was into drugs and alcohol it was not for me it was not a just a gray area and partying Mm -hmm. it was that was I think that was like the surface for me and I think people even now like I'll get people from my college reach out like oh we had no idea you had like such an issue and I was like no I was like a drug addict um and yeah one thing I Mm -hmm. one thing I think about a lot is my um my ex-boyfriend who Mm. I was with when I got sober and um, who I I tried to help get sober, but he, he did not. And I really don't know where he is these days, but I think back and I think probably, I don't know if I would be sober today if I wasn't in a relationship with another addict, because it was like looking in a mirror. And for me, it was, this is what's going to happen to me. Mm. Like, and I think maybe Katie can see that too with her with you know when you when you are around other alcoholics or around other addicts Mm. and part of it's comforting because you you think birds of a feather like oh well I'm not as bad as this person um Mm. and and something about that is comforting and I think people do do it too with their party friends when you're surrounding yourself with people who are also staying out till four and five a.m and who are binge drinking and doing coke like you don't think oh this is out of the norm Um, but it escalates so quickly. And I went from being the girl just at college, the ex party girl to dating somebody who was dealing guns for the cartel and who was shooting meth and who I would shoot his drugs for him. And, you know, jumping out of moving cars and things got very dark, very quick. And I, Mm. and I sat there and I, and I thought to myself, like, how did I get here? Mm. You know, and, and I'm going to end up that girl that's who, who's in a trunk. And, mm-hmm. and that was not something I ever like, that's kind of why people laugh. You look at my profile, I'm like this blonde girl in Orange County, you know, like typical privileged <laughs> white girl. Oh, sobriety, blah, 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 glamorous. It's like, no, like, you know, those things for, could happen really to anybody. It will lead you in a really, really bad place. And so it's a privilege for anybody. And why I think prevention is so important is to stop people from getting to that place because the sooner mm. you realize alcohol is bad for you, the sooner you can get off that path because sure, maybe, you know, I was lucky that I crashed and burned so quickly and that I did exit early, but mm. so many people don't exit early. Like my, my ex. Yeah. And, and also you, you say, you know, that. yeah. Like you're, you say, I'm lucky that I burned out quickly, but you still burn out. Like that was still oh, totally. a very difficult, yeah, a very difficult thing that you went through in your life. And like, yes, we are very, very privileged to be in this position, but you know, you've also got to like work for it. 
like you deserve mm. it if you're in your sobriety no matter how far you are whether it's one day or a hundred years like you deserve to be there you've worked for it like and it's just such a it is an honor it is an honor but it's self-inflicted like everybody yes. should just be so proud of themselves like it's such and I think that's why it's such an amazing community as well because everybody wants you to do well everyone mm. wants to see each other get well because you know what it feels like to be to be in that in that space but you're right about the stare the sort of um the image actually Taylor because people say that to me all the time they're like whoa I did not realize yeah. that you were an alcoholic like I just didn't see that you know like your Instagram just really didn't portray that I'm like yeah duh like yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm like oh no really it's such a shame I wish I portrayed it better right like, obviously not and it is such a hidden thing um and I I think that is what makes it yeah way more dangerous the glamorization and the normalization of it is um Mm. it's really powerful really powerful well I think all all we can do is what we're doing which is talking Mm. about it Mm. building a conversation around it building awareness and building the community because I think I mean, I know with a thousand hours dry, I, I had the same idea as you. Like, it was for me. Like, it was totally yeah. not an it was not an altruistic thing. I was like, I need friends <laughs> um, yeah. who don't drink. How do I find these people? And this was, you know, two years ago, which it sounds, you know, it's not very long ago, but two years ago, I couldn't find anybody outside of AA, mm-hmm. and I left AA, and so I couldn't find anybody who didn't drink, who wasn't like affiliated with the program. I was like, well, crap, how do I make friends? So that's kind of how my Instagram journey now, obviously, a huge community, which is amazing. But I think isn't it so amazing is because everybody wants to be there. Like, there's plenty of other, like, I've been to rehab, I've been to AA, I've done other things where people don't want to be there. Like, people are forced there. People are, they're their parents want them there. Their spouse wants them there. The court wants them there. I mean, I was court ordered to, to rehab. So I didn't really want to be there either. Um, and that shows like, you can't really recover or get sober, like not long-term when it's not your doing. And so I think that's, what's so amazing about the online community is that, you know, even if somebody's coming in or out, like nobody's like, oh, that, that, not nobody that I know of is like, I made this Instagram account because my, you know, my wife told me I had to, and I check it <laughs> regularly and I, I'm in all these, you know, groups and liking things because I have to, because the court ordered me to, it's like, no, this is like, people want to be here. Yeah. That mm-hmm. is so, I've never thought about it that way, Kayla. That's so, such an interesting take on it. Yeah. So true. Hmm. Well, Katie, this has been such a treat. I have just been really enjoying your accent the whole time and trying not to be that American who is over here fetishizing British accents because I know that's problematic. But um, you are just a treat. And this has been so wonderful to talk to you about your perspective on this. I know our listeners are going to love you and want to find you. How can they connect with you? So they can connect with me on Instagram at this sober girl. Awesome. And did I see something about a challenge you have going on right now? Yes. So I'm doing an 100 day challenge uh, where I exercise every day for 100 days. It's been a long one. 
um <laughs> the actual original challenge is to not drink as well but obviously I'm already doing that part so I'm just doing the exercise um to raise money for mind which is a mental health charity that helped me actually in a very dark spot mm. so um so yeah it's funny though because I actually got a throat infection during the 100 day challenge and I couldn't oh. work out for a week no. so it's now become the 107 day challenge. <laughs> perfect, perfect so I am on day 103 so come yes. on come on Katie you can do it okay yeah. so this this podcast will go tomorrow so it'll be on day 104 so we gotta like cheer oh. Katie on to day 107 yeah. amazing thank you the link is in my bio if you want to I know I was perfect. like how did you get involved oh so anybody how did I get involved sorry yeah how do you how yeah. did you get involved or how does anybody else that wants to do that or participate yeah so basically it was um a friend of mine was doing it and he just messaged me and said I know you want to (laughs) okay (laughs) so it sounds like we can donate to support you um in this 107 day challenge and it goes to mind you said is the the organization yeah mind charity yeah very cool thank you I'm doing it I'm doing it yeah (laughs) it won't be like hard 75 though kevin made me do the 75 hard challenge and that was excruciating no thank you (laughs) but yeah thank you so much i think this has been an amazing conversation and i'm excited to connect and and have a bigger girl gang yeah absolutely yes love it (laughs) Thank international you. going international yes just oh my gosh you took the words out of my mouth I was like going global baby yes <laughs> all right guys thank you so much thank you thanks Katie all right bye bye bye, bye. thank y'all for tuning into the dry life a podcast for the sober and sober curious presented by reframe My name is Beth and my co-host Kayla and I drop a new podcast every Thursday. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode.